If you're interested in elevating the most important real estate relationship you have, you're going to love this upcoming episode. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott, hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. We're having an awful lot of fun here in the old studio and getting th- getting the week off on the right foot and having a nice, uh, delicious cup of coffee. And hang on a sec here. Ooh, ooh <laughs> I should be, be truthful. I think I think we're busting out the last of the Christmas blends. I think that tasting a little bit like gingerbread or something. Ooh, that's kind of nasty. <laughs> Anyways, hope everyone's having yourself a wonderful day. I'm going to just get ready to crush the week. I'm recording this at the beginning of, of May. And so first and foremost, I'm recording this on a Monday morning. Usually I do it Sundays, but the weekend was just too nice. Needed to do some yard work around here as well. So first of all, happy May. May 1st, happy rent day, everybody, first and foremost. And it's that day that we all probably got our taxes in on time and all those kind of wonderful things. So hope everybody is having themselves a wonderful day here. I hope I had your attention with the opening intro tease to today's um, podcast episode. So first and foremost, this is going to be an interview I had with Mackenzie Wilson. And I'll introduce him a little bit more here in a bit. But one of the things, so so let me back up a step. Most people, whenever you're, you know, maybe you're getting started in real estate or maybe even a veteran of 20 plus years, maybe in 30, 40 years, you always see there'll be some kind of a presentation you'll have to give when you're educating people on real estate is how to build your real estate power team, the power team members, who do you need on your team, who not how, all those kind of, you know, things like that, building out the power team. You know, one of the things that I rarely see that people put enough, uh, in my personal opinion, people don't put enough attention to our, our clients, to our tenants. That is actually one of the most important relationships you will have within this business because to be truly honest, um, you are renting the capital and renting the money from the bank and you are putting it into a business in a box and you're renting out a, a house that you then will rent out to a tenant that will pay you more than what your rent is to the bank and to the city and to property taxes and all your expenses and all your time. So one of the most important relationship, and I dare to say the most important relationship is with your tenant, the customer, your client. And that's one of the things we go really deep into this upcoming episode, an, an awful lot, is that you need to have a good relationship with your with your client. Now, I'm not saying that you have to self-manage and you have to know each and every one of your tenants and you have to have... Um, know all their birth dates and all the kids dates and all that all the kids and all that kind of stuff you don't have to go that far but you do have to have a part of your operation part of your team has to manage the tenants has to manage the tenants appropriately and you know I don't think we give enough attention to it honestly and and this is something that Mackenzie and I talk a lot about in this episode is sure everybody loves the the shiny and the sexy thing about the raising the capital and the rent to own and the midterm and executive and corporate rentals and short term and Airbnb and VRBO and wow, all this stuff is so exciting and CMHC, MLI select financing, I can only put 5% down on it. I tell you what, all those things are absolutely just throw it out the window. They're all moot point. If you don't have a good 
equity building tenant, a good equity building client in your property. And this game of real estate can quickly turn to a nightmare if you do not have a good relationship or have a good property that um, hosts and, and you you um, house a good tenant in your place. That's what I'm trying to say. So, and I got a couple different directions I can go in this opening of this. Like, like recently I had just... And it's probably going to be maybe next week's episode or maybe two weeks down the road. I haven't figured out exactly. It's already been recorded. But I had one of those sobering conversations with uh, with a friend a little while ago. And it's one of those conversations after you're done, I just absolutely just you know, face plant, slap yourself upside the head, tail between the legs. Holy moly, did I ever you know, you know what the bed on something. Um, but you know what? Sometimes you have to dust yourself off. You learn the lessons the painful way, and then you make a vow to never do it again and clean up your act and move forward with some velocity and, and don't do the same thing again. Okay. So I'm going to save that story for an upcoming episode. And you'll, you'll hear quite clearly when you, when you get to that one. But here's one of the things that, and it's funny, I was having a conversation with somebody and, and they're going, geez, Russ, uh, when I was talking to them about managing the properties and tenants and stuff like that, and they go, geez, you're not just a, a YouTube person or a podcast person or a coach. You actually kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to this game of real estate. I've been doing it for 20, almost 25 years now. And I'll tell you, some of the lessons I've learned have been extremely painful. And when it comes down to managing our properties, managing our clients, I honestly, in 25 years, have seen everything. I've seen um, tenants' death. I've seen multiple gunfire in my units to the point where I had the Edmonton Police Services a couple times <laughs> have called me. I had no idea how they got my phone number, but they did call me. There was crime scenes. There was squatters when, when one set of tenants left and it was vacant. They left, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't leave it open. I think somebody then broke in through the fence, busted open a window, squatted in the place for, for a couple days. They were bathing themselves with the hot water in the hot water tank at squatters. I've had, I don't know how many times I've seen people rebuild motorcycle engines and car engines in the front room and oil changes in the garages in the front room, even to the point of they're flushing the oil down the toilet. And it's just like, oh my goodness, I honestly have seen everything. I really have. And, and here's the thing that I would, I tell people is this real estate game is hard. Tenant selection is difficult. Um, managing a portfolio of properties over a course of time is very difficult. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned over these 20-some years of doing this is you will have tenant challenges no matter what you do. But here's the thing. The day that I decided to raise my standards, the day that I decided to buy better properties in better areas that attract a better tenant profile. And then not only that, but I strategically start with the tenant profile that I want to work with first. Match the right tenant profile to the right house in the right area. The day that I raised my standards on the properties and the tenants that we select is the day that the tenant challenges started to slow down. The tenant challenges started to diminish. And I can tell you that was one of the biggest and most painful lessons I have learned over the years. So if you're early in this game of real estate investing, I highly encourage you to understand the process of, of, of renting out, understand the process of tenant selection, understand um, of matching the right 
tenant demographic to the right house in the right area. Something that my business associate and my one of my best friends, Jason Mattern, and I have talked and we've beat that drum so many times on multiple episodes on this podcast. Why do you think we're on our soapbox and we're beating this drum? Is because we've made so many mistakes by picking the wrong tenants and the wrong and buying houses in the wrong areas and the wrong the wrong properties. So you can have a fantastic experience if you actually raise your standards by better properties in better areas. Okay, that's my perspective. Now, in this upcoming episode, Mackenzie and I talk an awful lot about, um, you know, tenant management, tenant placement. He actually walks through kind of a, a little checklist on how he he um, selects tenants. And we go through an awful lot of this, but really kind of the thought starter for why I reached out to Mackenzie and, and we wanted to connect was... Um, for Mackenzie and a group of volunteers manages a, a Facebook group in Alberta of Alberta uh, landlords, self-management landlords. And, um, you know, of, of late, there was some articles that have been going out. First of all, Mackenzie tells the story of when uh, an Edmonton Journal reporter kind of found their way into the group and started uh, writing newspaper articles about what was that. The other of just recent was that there are some self-management landlords in the Calgary area. Area that are asking from, for some sensitive and personal details and personal information about tenants on applications before they even show it. And Mackenzie and I dive very deep into that whole realm of that's, don't go there, gang. Just really, you don't need to go there with that kind of stuff. This is a true masterclass of talking about managing the most important relationship you have within real estate, your tenants. All right, gang, with all that being said, let's just get right after it. Please help me welcome Mackenzie Wilson. All right, Mackenzie Wilson, how are you today, my friend? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Russell. Happy to be here. Let's uh, let's answer some questions and where the conversation goes. Look at you. You're just like Mr. All Professional Business. And it's just like, let's just get after it here, brother. It's just like, <laughs> there's no 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 small talk. No, how's it going? How's the weather? You know, we're Canadians. So we got to talk about the weather. We got to talk about hockey. We got to talk about housing and interest rates. Let's just skip the weather and 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 all that other kind of stuff. Eh? Let's just get right after it, eh? Oh, we can, we can hop wherever you want. And I mean, I, you know, flame fan here. I got nothing really to talk about there. Um, born and raised Albertan and, and also a Prairie Boys yourself. But uh, are, do you got any stakes in, in the playoffs right now? Are you an Oilers fan? Well, I, I, I am, um, obviously, because, well, first of all, I, I'm from Saskatchewan and our only professional sport team, really. We grew up, we grew up watching the Oilers in the 80s, right? So I, I mm-hmm. love the Oilers, but I've been out in Vancouver. I have to, I have to be a Vancouver Canucks fan. I do have an Edmonton yeah. Oiler hoodie and it's the orange one. And my wife just will not let me, I have to hide it because if it comes out of the closet somewhere, my wife will just literally have a gag reflex when she sees it. So, Oh man. Okay, cool. And I think, I think she made the comment is, um, if you ever want to, uh, you know, you know, you better not ever wear that thing. <laughs> Love it. If you well, know well, what I mean. You probably look like a pylon wearing it, right? I, so. <laughs> I, I do. 
<laughs> right on. Um, so first of all, um, welcome to the show. And there's some really fun, interesting developments that are, are going out there for you. You've been getting on some some media and you've been, you know, uh, our, our, our government funded body of the CBC has been has been uh, has been reaching out to you and asking for some opinions on things and stuff like that. And we're going to get into that. I, I, I 100% yeah, yeah. want to get into that because that's it's a hot topic. Um, tenants, landlords, um, not that, that we should be at odds, but, you know, right now, the way it is in Canada a little bit, it's, we're a little bit at odds with things. And, 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 you know, part of it's because of housing policy, part of it's because of immigration, part of it's because of interest rates, part of it's because of inflation. There's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why, but, uh, you know, and we'll get into a lot of that. Um, but what I really wanted to do, and, and we'll dive deep into today, and we're going to talk a lot more about, and here's the, the, here's the note I wrote down, is we're going to talk a lot about the management side of things. We're going to talk a lot about tenant management. We're going to talk a lot about the operation of your business. And most mm-hmm. people are thinking, I'm going like Charlie Brown's teacher. Here's the thing, gang. Um, the management of your tenants. I, I am out there and I will publicly say that our tenants are our assets. It's not the house. We rent the house from the bank. The tenant is the asset. They're our customer. And the better you manage the tenant, the better you manage the operation of your business, the greater chance you have of success. Now, anytime I ever talk about tenant management or business operations, it's it's one of those things that everybody needs but nobody wants. Everybody wants the exciting new financing package and everybody wants how to raise capital and everybody wants to know how to buy it. Nobody wants to know how to actually manage the property. But and I suffice to say that it, that's the most important part of the business is the management of the tenant and the management of the relationship within the business and the operation. How do you feel on that, first of all? Yeah, Russell, I'll riff on that. And um, what I would pivot to and, and position that conversation is right now there's a huge um, delta and difference between supply and demand. We have all the demand and no supply to meet that demand. And of course, some conflict and things are happening in the media talking about that. But fundamentally, the relationship between a homeowner and a renter or a landlord and a tenant is a mutually beneficial relationship. We each need each other. And you mentioned them as is your customer. I'd even take it one step further and call them a client. Client means that you have a long-term relationship with this um, customer and that you it is really your revenue source. You could have the perfect property. It could be you know downtown Edmonton in the Ice District. And um, we'll get Calgarian here saying this. It could be the perfect property, all the right amenities. And if you put the wrong tent in there, not only are you losing money each month, you're getting a pile of stress and it's going to cost you money to fix that problem. And doesn't matter what the property is. So it is so important on that revenue stream that you make the right decision up front to find the right fit to um, place in your rental as a as a client and as a tenant. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I often I often go back always to actually they're actually a partner in the business to be honest. And I go 100%. back to and I probably should have it memorized, but I don't. But there was a way back in the day Tim Johnson uh, coined a. a, a a definition of a tenant, and they're really a partner in the business with you. They they are you know it's a, it's a business relationship as important as your accountant and your bookkeeper and your um, uh, appraiser and your insurance p- uh, provider. Yeah. T- your tenant is is probably one of the most important people. They're paying you in some cases, you know, fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, how would you how would you treat 
a $50,000 a year client, how would you treat a $50,000 a year partner in the business? You treat them very well at the same time. But at the same time, you don't, you know, you don't become a doormat too, right? Yeah, you know, there there's an art form or a really good approach to being firm, but approachable. Uh, and really, when you go in, like, I mean, my big MO, and as you said, all these awesome real estate uh, strategies, they sound beautiful, they're exciting, you give the title sexy. Ultimately, they all come back to some sort of buy and hold, appreciation over a long time and principal pay down, and you need a tenant to make that, that whole strategy work. So it, it, it's a cornerstone of this whole real estate investing um, uh, vehicle or initial that we're in. And um, so there's two ways to look at tenant screen. The first part is always the numbers game. That part's black and white. That's actually pretty easy to figure out. Yep. You, you, there's some numbers and ratios. You look at the, the credit score and dive into the credit score, not just look at the, the number itself because there's more to than just the number. But, um, oh shoot, I'm losing my train of thought. Let me just try to rapid fire this off. Uh, but the other part of it is you're entering into a long-term business relationship with this individual. So you need to find a good framework, a good fit for yourself. And that's going to be different for your type of work style versus perhaps how you work, Russell, how I work and somebody else. Yep. A tent could be good for you, bad for me, and okay for the other person. Yep. So, so gang, um, we're we're putting it out here right now. Uh, we're both on a mission to to reframe the conversation. It's it's no longer landlord and tenant. It's client and rental housing provider. That's that's like what that. we are. We are rental housing providers, and we have clients. We don't have tenants, and we're not landlords. So we're on a vendetta, my friend. We're on a mission to change the vernacular: rental housing providers and clients. Okay, so yeah. should I get off my soapbox? I, I, <laughs> no, no. Let's let's add on to that. And the reason I wanted to switch from customer to client: client is a relationship, and customer is transactional. McDonald's has customers. You come in, you get your your burger, you're out. This is a long-term relationship, and if it's if it's built well and there's good trust, that communication is going to save your bacon every time of the day. And what I mean by that is, most of my tenants, I, I know some of them, at least half of them, are actually better communicators than I am. They let me know when there's problems going on, so I can be proactive and fix things. And they're also really, I'm going to say, very patient with me because I'll go and say, "Listen, I, I heard you. I can't answer the, the issue right now, but we can look at it tomorrow, assuming it's a non-pressing issue." But just knowing that there's that open to a communication and set expectations, they they're always appreciative and they're willing to give me more latitude to get problems solved. And think about it, we we own, we own depreciate and building an asset. There's always going to be something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Mackenzie. Like, honest to goodness, I I think we've set a record here for eight minutes in, and we've dropped the most amount of fire, and and we've dropped uh, multiple bombs here. And I'm saying 100% from you, my friend. You're 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 bringing the goods here. So. Um, uh, let, let's take a step back um, for for yeah, for, yeah for, for people that don't know you that well yet. You're, but I'll give you credit. You're out there shaking the tree and you're getting on the podcast and you're making you're making I'm gonna stand a, up for you just like you are. Yeah, I actually, I'm on a I'm on a, a sit stand chair kind of. I do have a it's it's one of those chairs that has a wobbly base to it. So I I kind of I'm active nice. right. So <laughs> um, well, and I want to like talk with my hands and like 
be in the conversation. Like, oh, I'm sitting back. No, yeah. Let's let's be let's let's deliver here. So yeah. yeah. So so let's uh, for people that maybe don't know you, let's let's um let's go into the way back time machine. For sure. That's my Wayne and Garth imitation. Um, what's what's kind of your backstory? What where did uh, where did you kind of get the bug for all of this? Where did kind of the 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 um insp- inspiration for you kind of dive into this? And and let's let's tell a little bit of the story, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Great, great, great questions, uh, Russell. Let me just think. Well, I'll give you the cold note and you can dive into wherever you want. Um, so 20, 2016 was the birth of my first uh, my first son, Bowen. And when we found out we were pregnant in, in 2015, I stopped living six months in advance and planning out my weekends to be like, oh, I have another life I've got to look after. So I, I wish I could say I had the foresight to want to have done this on my own. But uh, certainly becoming um, uh, a family man and having kids was was really my catalyst. At the same time, my mom had just joined um, Keyspire. That uh, would have been back in the day. And I had just finished reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So real estate was the choice of investment vehicle. Uh, I knew nothing. I wanted to do buy and hold real estate. And I also knew that I was scared to death of defaulting or having a property destroyed and really falling tens of thousands of dollars into arrears or debt or, or defaulting on a second mortgage. So that was, well, I figured, you know what? Landlords have been around forever. Even the term landlording, like it goes back to what the medieval times and it has, and I, that's why I want to switch off of it. And as we talked about renting housing providers, because of that conversation of, of we're Lord over somebody, which is definitely not the case, but um, it's just, uh, it, it was a huge fear, but I, well, I figured, well, this business has been around forever. People are doing it successfully. There has to be something out there I don't know, some system or process to reduce that risk. And so I just really had a, an onus to like get really deep and granular. And uh, yeah, and I can I can tell you that at the Tiffany moment, I realized I was doing things a little bit differently too, but yep. ask me questions from there. Oh, I'm born and raised from Calgary as a way. Go Flames. <laughs> yeah, go go hopefully not out of the city <laughs> if you guys can actually get a stadium there right so there's another I'm hoping man fingers crossed yeah there's that's a, an interesting conversation right there yeah um how, how are things in downtown calgary now and again I, I i'm i'm very pro alberta i know alberta i follow everything that's going on in alberta but i don't live there and i'm living in vancouver is it mm-hmm. is it what we see from the media and putting it out there about what's happening in downtown and and, and here's the thing is every major city in Canada right now the crime's quite quite ridiculous a little bit is it as bad as they're portraying in Calgary or what what's your what's your take out there and, and Russell you're talking just like crime statistics or, just or I know like our the, biggest thing was like the vacancy in the, in the office tower downtown well the downtown vibe the you know homelessness uh, the crime like everybody you know everybody thinks that everybody's getting stabbed on public transits and stuff like that mm. like is it is it is it bad or does it need to be cleaned up or how is it you know good question Russell I I would say from outside looking in or, or from be, from being in it it's the downtown uh, in Calgary here, uh, it's fun to visit uh, on the evenings and weekends, but it gets, it's also kind of like a, because we don't quite within our core have a mix of residential. It's mostly all commercial and office space with with, with retail on the bottom. Um, we got hit really hard going back to 20, in 2014, 2015, right? When we had the oil patch kind of recession there, fading into COVID there for a few years. 
we had a third percent. I think we're actually we were over a third at one point. It was over 33% vacancy of office towers. And when we had that prolonged year over year over year, it affect the, the city council's budget, right? And, and what they can offer. And so having, it was called, it was described like a ghost town for a while down there. Um, things have come back. Also knowing that we've got this new uh, trend of working from home that COVID brought, which I think is a, is a positive. It has removed more demand uh, out of an office space. So there is still a surplus of what they've built up. I know they're looking at some options to repurpose some of that into residential or some affordable housing type initiatives, which I think is great. Um, I, I, but honestly, just like kind of casual and, and cultural, like it's it's the it's the same old. It's still fun hanging around. It's 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 getting more of that vibe back. I mean, we've got actually I have a bunch of my friends that are talking about going and doing stampeding this year, and we've kind of I mean I've done it my entire life, so it's nothing special. But now we're like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to do the chucks and, and yep. go out and, and, and all that stuff. So there's maybe cause there's a COVID break and everything else. There just maybe seems to be a bit of the, uh, revived, revitalized, uh, how about you get your boots on kind of way here in Calgary? Yeah. Well, Calgary has always been a fun vibe to it always. And, um, and, and maybe it's starting to get some of its swag back. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, a lot of it has to do with how people are feeling. The economic, if people are working and people are making, mm-hmm. you know, good money and things like that, they they spend it and they have some fun and they blow out, let off some steam and all that kind of stuff. And Calgary was always that place where you'd always go. I'm from Saskatchewan. Calgary would be always the place you'd go to just let off some steam, right? It was just fun, right? Yeah. And, uh, and maybe that's just a little indication, especially now... I believe Calgary is really starting to diversify itself. It's attracting a lot more industry. It's attracting, it's not just mm-hmm. oil and gas. It's not just corporate head offices. There's there's a lot more that Calgary now has to offer. And I think they've done a very good job of rebranding itself and uh, attracting people like, you know, Rightfully or wrongfully, I believe what the government has been doing, which I for I told I said they should have been doing this in 2018, is sitting out there aggressively marketing and say Alberta's open for business and then doing very aggressive come oh, to yeah. Alberta, come to Calgary, come yeah. in that. And and we see this out in Vancouver all the time, this kind of stuff. So so I appreciate well, it. And you know, on that note, I was yep. in Toronto um at our Silky office in October, November last year for a couple of trips. And you can see right in the go train, they've got these like huge murals of the Rocky Mountains and it says Alberta's calling like they're, they're, you know, they're calling for jobs and everything. So, yeah. And, and it's not just, it's not just a bunch of rednecks and oil workers anymore. Like if you go there, it's, it's, it's got a, it's got an interesting vibe to it. It's got a different vibe. Now, some of the Albertan purists might not like that, right? but it, it's really, it's starting to get younger. It's getting hipper. It's getting a lot more diversified, which is great, which is, which is needed because that's, it's, it's catching up to what Canada is, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, totally. so I know we started talking about your story. I didn't mean I didn't want to gloss over that. So, okay. oh, 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 good, yeah. Twenty um, twenty fifteen. You, it, it's funny, and I'm and for those of you listening, I, I'm making the gesture of holding a little baby in your hand. It's amazing what happens when those little babies get put in your hand, and then all of a sudden the Peter Pan syndrome kicks in and go, "Holy crap! I actually have to grow up now," <laughs> right? And then you now was, are yeah, you're game now, changer. Yeah, and you're now responsible for other human beings in your life. And it's just like, holy crap, what am I gonna do with what am I gonna do when I grow up? And so you had that moment. Um what tell me a little bit about the journey. So you 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 yeah. kind of your mom 
joined the Keyspar group, you kind of were yeah. following from the outside looking in. What, what was your journey like? Yeah, for sure. So so that happened um, and it kind of like, all right, this is the way I want to do it. Um, so the first property we bought, which is the house I'm still in right now, um, house hacking or, or whatever you want to call it now, I have a legalized basement suite. So mortgage helper off the bat, that was huge for us. And uh, I was taking a bunch, I think I, you know, a bunch of hours on YouTube, everything I could learn about screening the tents because that was my big, my big fear factor. And I think it was a really good step to have done it living with the tenant downstairs because by nature, living at the property, I had always kept an eye on it. So if I had done something wrong, um, I could be quick and be very proactive on, on resolving any issues. So I think if someone's looking to get in the game and you don't mind sharing quarters, I mean, obviously if it's a separate suite, it's a great way to, to, to get into being a landlord and managing yeah, that uh, tenant-client relationship without um, making too many mistakes right off the hop. Yep. Um, so that happened. Um, I discovered this thing called Rain. There's these, these what's behind the curtain events, and perhaps these acre and all these events, and that was like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, really enjoyed that. Um, and then um, I was at one of these events in Toronto, and we're on a Saturday night, and there's a bunch of real estate investors around, and, and one of them was the uh, was a diamond club is a member or or whatever the pin and i think i can't remember is that 100 or 150 doors they had under their their preview or ownership and so i had a lot of respect for this individual and we're sitting down chatting and i had my binder open and i was going through all these things i do for screen tenants and how i market and qualify and check this and check that and landlord checks and, and employer checks and he goes wow you do all that and i was just like well, wait a minute you don't it was like it hit <laughs> It hit me like a Mack truck. And I was like, well, what do you do? And then it, so then at that moment, I'm like, okay, so maybe the way I'm operating is a bit different than everybody else. And so um, I started with a couple, two of the guys that are over here in Calgary. Oh, one is up in Edmonton. We started doing meetups as well. Uh, we're talking off air about these two gentlemen, um, Brad Price and, and Phil Wong. Great guys. So we did in-person meetups for a while just because I, I knew... I didn't know anything. I knew I knew the tip of the iceberg. I knew there's a lot more that I needed to learn. I needed veterans in the room that had the scars that could showcase and explain to me the pitfalls and how to avoid them. I just wanted to rub shoulders and, and just be a sponge. So I wanted to put people in the room together and, and you'd be amazed some of the, the brainstorming that comes out of these rooms when you've got people like-minded, entrepreneurial type of spirit, raising the money, buying the doors, problem solving the fly to make the business work. You just can learn a ton of information. Did that for a bit. And I, so then I started this, this YouTube channel and it was solely called Find Great Tenants because that was how, like, like you said, right at the beginning of the show, that's how important it is. It's the most cornerstone part of being an investor or, or a landlord or a rental housing provider. If you get that part of the puzzle right at the beginning, that's 90% of the work of that tenancy. The rest of it is generally smooth sailing, deal with maintenance, yeah, your inspections, your, your lease renewals. Um, some some appreciation at Christmas time and perhaps for the birthday for the for the client and, and you carry on. Um, so I uh, joined this Facebook group, which is now the Alberta Landlord Community, which I um, uh, I run it with a great team of volunteers. So I'm one of the co-founders, but I was given full control of it back in 2020, and now we're, we're the largest. We're almost at 4,500 members. But when I joined it at the time, I had shared my very first YouTube video and it was how to, how to avoid a fake credit score. And basically I had like a three minute video I did in real time. I showed how easy it was for people to use like a Photoshop and document a, a fake credit score from like Credit Karma or Borrowwell. 
And I got kicked out of the Facebook group within 12 hours. Yeah, so you guys are tight, actually, with the posting a video from YouTube on on that group. By the way, I've tried to. I've I've been very. Um, I've been I've been not banned. I've been I've been put in the whole oh. pattern. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So so you know what? And, and and to to be fair, and we're going to make some changes. Um, but you know, I've I've got a set of volunteer landlords that help me out. We had a a run in with a media request, and I had a journalist break in the group. Well. I want to say, I'd say uh, Covalley joined us without really disclosing who they were from the Edmonton Journal. And uh, I got I got a few pieces in, in, in the in the media and um, it probably scared my, my, my volunteers a bit. So we, we got really stringent. But uh, I think to a fault though, because there's really good conversations to be had when we share good yeah. information, which is part of this podcast when I'm on with you, uh, Russell. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about it. And just as an FYI, guys, this is the uh, this is the uh, the Facebook community. I belong to this community. I think it's fantastic. It's a it's an amazing resource. Um, you know, there there's that 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 handsome guy right there, right there, that guy, that be McKenzie right there. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a tremendous amount of resources, and the files on here are fantastic for like honest to goodness. It's like <laughs> it's like page after page of page of of documentation and wonderful discussions, and you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt at times because yeah. there's there's everything from you know people with hundreds of places to people that have are an accidental landlord and had their first place and they're just oh my goodness what will happen if i if the t- who's going to change the furnace filter and you know stuff like that so it's it's a wonderful place like i i strongly encourage people to jump in you know even if you're not participating just just getting the the vibe on the street and this is where i get a lot of my um sometimes my rental information about what's going on in the marketplace about like, what are people doing? Like, what is the market doing? Is it hot? Is it cold? Or Mm. what are people renting for? And I'll tell you just by and large, the majority of landlords are way under rented. Now I'm sorry, I'm probably going to get some hate mail or some people that'll say that is, you know, why are you telling people to raise the rents? Gang, if if you had a national perspective, like I do, Alberta rent is extremely affordable compared to a national perspective. And in my personal opinion, that's also because it's not rent controlled. And if I was a tenant, I would want to be in a market that didn't have rent control because typically rent controlled market or non-rent controlled markets are actually lower, non-rent controlled markets, because it's just based upon market value, right? So anyways, I digress. Totally. Um, all good. All good. Okay, so you you started that group in that community. Are you still an active investor? Are you still buying yourself? Um, you made a, a fairly sizable shift in your uh, status of yeah. uh, employment a, a few a few years ago. What tell us about that process? Yeah, yeah. So I'm still investing. Um, I've been meaning to start raising money, but truthfully, I haven't got around to it. I've been busy with other things, so it's kind of on a pause right now. Um, but always open to a good deal. Uh, yeah, it just, so, so join the Facebook group, um, got kicked out within 12 hours, but luckily the guy that started it, who's, who's my partner, Chris Noble, uh, retired RCP officer and whether it was by luck or, or intentionally, well, he was intentional, but what he did really, really well that created that community was we were very diligent up front to make sure only landlords came into the conversation and by the nature of having a landlord-only kind of culture and conversation, people were more willing to be transparent and vulnerable and ask difficult questions about the business. And, and just to kind of give context to what that really means is, is 
I have a lot of respect for anyone that will take it upon themselves to take a large capital investment, i.e. a down payment in your reserve fund, and then find a way to entrust and vet someone with a very short period of time, two or three or four days, to give complete access control of that asset. It's probably the most expensive thing you own to a complete stranger. So to do that process and to do it well, and so you've got customer service or client management, however defining this right now, Russell, as well as all the stuff comes along with owning a second property and the financing and, and, and the capital investment. And it's a teeter-totter. And, and the investors that do it well figure out how to balance this. And, and, and that comes back to the operational conversation. Um, but uh, what is good about the conversation in the Facebook group is you get the collective wisdom of thousands, about 4,000 landlords now. I don't even know what that would equate in terms of hours of experience that we're all cross-sharing. Um, but you get insight on situations. Hopefully, you never have to deal with yourself. But if you do, if someone's got that that battle scar out there, don't call it battle scar. A lesson learned they're willing to share with you to avoid that same headache. Yep. Yeah. And, it's pretty and powerful. Now, remember, we had a conversation probably just geez, probably three, four years ago now, and yeah. you were you were I think you were just right in that that cusp of potentially, and I think it was Telus that you were working with, and you were pretty close. That you were yeah. you were thinking about leaving the job, and and um, you're we were having some really good dialogue and conversation. So did you did you leave your 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 job, and what are things looking like for you now? Yeah, you know, Russell, if someone five or even 10 years ago, who had told me that a YouTube resume and a Facebook resume would have got me a director role at a tech startup, I would have laughed at yeah. Um, so so obviously I got back in the Facebook group. Uh, eventually, uh, Chris um, had different things he wanted to do. So it gave me control of the group. He still definitely um, hangs out and supports here and there. But that turned into... Um, I started bringing in sponsors and just different industry providers to provide value back to the community. And one of them was being single key. And I mean, me being um, an IT and management background, and I love data. So more data that I can see is the better. And single key has, has re- really, they had, a, they had a full digital application and their report was the most comprehensive in the industry. At that time, the only other competitor was Neighborly, which we actually acquired last fall and happy to talk about that as well. But the difference was you'd get a one-page summary of someone's credit score from Neighborly. The average tenant or application would have three to four pages of credit score information on a single key report. So you'd see all the trade lines, uh, payment history, um, inquiries, just everything. A really clear breakdown of this person's financial history. And you could get a really good sense of their financial habits if they were good uh, with their finances or perhaps a bit sloppy or not as good. Yeah, yeah. So, and and just so you know, I just pull it up here on the screen for anyone, you know, listening at home. This is a single key, and and it's it's one of the best of the best, if not, it's 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 world class on on as a tool for every landlord. If you um, fill a property with a client as a rental housing provider, whew, I'm getting all I'm getting all my vernacular correct. If you're doing that, you yeah. you, you absolutely it's a, it's a must that you have to go through and have to pull some kind of a reporting process for, for everybody. So this kind of, so you were a Facebook, um, a Facebook, uh, star, if you will, with the, with the Alberta, you know, landlord community, you had your YouTube channel going on the side and, and then all of a sudden you got some attention from somebody and they, they, they offered you a, um, a, a fairly senior position in their company, didn't they? 
Yeah. So, so let's, let's take a step back. So, so yeah. we, I, I, I reached out, I, I went on this single key website. This would have been like 2020 and I clicked book a call right now. I'm like, okay. I talked to this nice, nice guy named Villar. I'm like, oh, it must be like their customer service rep or guy or whatever, or maybe their manager. Oh no, I go on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and he was the CEO and co-founder. I was like, well, that blew my mind. I wasn't expecting the, him to talk to him, but they had just started the company. I think at that time it was Villar and maybe one other individual. So they're like bootstrapping it, getting it done kind of thing. And then I just started providing feedback. I said, hey, you know, it would be great if you had these things. By the way, you know, Nably allows um, tenants to upload pay stubs and copies of their driver's license or passports for photo, photo identification. And three or four months later, he did it. And I was like, oh, this guy's like listening. So we had a really good relationship to start off with it. And um, so just kind of, so, you know, we, we were working together. Uh, he was a, a partner of the page. And yeah, at the beginning of last year, I said, you know what? I was at the place I've been at Telus off and on for about eight, eight and a half years. Um, worked with a lot of great people, but the, the day job had definitely lost the passion. And I wanted to do this full time. And so I had a conversation with them and another uh, provider or sponsor in our group that was also doing some pretty cool things. And they both said, yeah, we'd be, we'd be happy to take you on. What do you want to do? I was like, well, I, I don't know. How do, you, how do you need me? Here's my skills. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, well, let's put a pause on because at the same time, I wanted to take the community to the next level. I was trying to spin up and, and provide more value with a value-added membership and, and a bunch of other features. So we fast forward into the summer I'm trying to launch it, and uh, I crashed and burned. Uh, a lot of lessons learned. People gave me a lot of feedback, and um, uh, definitely not afraid of being very um, uh, straight with some of their feedback when you're typing behind a keyboard. But that's okay. It was good. Uh, hindsight and the lesson learned was I was trying to move off of Facebook at the same time of, of, of launching a, a paid premium membership with resources for landlords, and. The, the demographic of our Facebook group is the people like you, me, Russell, the intentional investors that, that get the value of these kind of communities had an offering for them that was pretty easy. But then the more of a larger demographic, which I would say is the majority, you know, I'm just anecdotally speaking, maybe 60% or of the of the um, uh, membership are the Axel Dental landlords. By life circumstance, who maybe, you know, job, job loss, divorce, they're forced into being a landlord Maybe they're moving to a new city. They don't, even, let alone they don't even want to be there. Let alone having to spend the time to learn. They just want to know enough not to make any major mistakes. And so my value uh, proposition was only servicing the the intentional. So the value wasn't there for those folks. And since I was trying to get off Facebook at the same time and not having a solution for both parties or two tier membership, uh, I got roasted. Yeah, I, I I saw that, and I was you. I, I apologize. I never did. I felt for you and I, I saw it happening and I, I was honest and as I said, I should reach out and have a conversation. And there was a couple things. There's a couple moments that I, I, I said I should reach out to Mackenzie. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right. Take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in today's episode, I will go over the eight unique qualification factors that lenders take into consideration when approving mortgages for residential income properties. 
that is one to four units properties. We will discuss the first few today and the rest in the upcoming episodes. I will share with you tips for each of these factors to enhance the chances that your mortgage application gets approved at the terms that you anticipated. So let's dig in. Here are the eight factors. Number one, your credit score. Number two, your personal income. Number three, down payment sources if you're buying a property. Number four, whether you are holding title in your personal or corporate name. Number five, the rental income your portfolio generates. Number six, your personal net worth. Number seven, the condition and zoning of the property you are refinancing or buying. And finally, number eight, the size of your portfolio. Let's start with your credit score. Many of the A lenders look for a minimum credit score of 650 for a rental mortgage application. Some may work with a score of as low as 600, but they will cut down the amortization on the mortgage. B lenders would work with credit scores below 600. Here is a tip for you. Monitor your credit score on a regular basis to ensure that it's healthy and that there are no surprises on your credit, such as suspicious activities or collections that you are not aware of. You can register for such a service through Equifax or TransUnion. Pulling your own credit through such a service will not impact your credit score. Let's now move on to personal income. Personal income plays a large role in the approval of a residential mortgage application. You may be salaried or earning income in various forms as a self-employed business owner or in the form of investment income or from various government sources like old age security, child support, RIFs, or a combination of all. Here are the things you need to be aware of when it comes to income. If you are self-employed, the A-lenders will want to see that you have paid yourself from the business for two years in order for them to use the income. This could be in the form of dividends, returns of shareholder loans, or as a salary, or a combination of all. Some A-lenders also have programs where they would consider a percentage of your corporate income if your business is incorporated in addition to what you pay yourself from the business. This is a great program that can help you qualify for more from a mortgage standpoint. If you're not paying yourself enough from the business to qualify with A-lenders, then B-lenders can be a great alternative as you can use income that you're earning as a self-employed client regardless of whether or not you own the business for two years and regardless of whether or not you filed your personal taxes. For this, the B lenders will charge higher interest rates and, and lender fees. If you are earning investment or interest income, the A lenders would want to see that you've earned that for two years in order to consider it. The B lenders, on the other hand, will rarely use this type of income. I often get a question from clients when they switch jobs from one employer to another. And the question is, can I get a mortgage approved while I am on probation? The answer is yes, with some A lenders, as long as you are transitioning within the same industry. This is not the case with B lenders, and they will need to see that you have passed probation before you get a mortgage approval. 
If you are employed and you are on a contract, some of the A lenders will still approve the file on an exception basis. The B lenders, however, are okay with contracts, but they will keep the mortgage term below or at the contract term. So if your contract expires in one year, you cannot get a mortgage with a B lender beyond the one year term. In order to avoid surprises with your mortgage application and get the best financing terms given your plans, it is important to proactively plan the eight qualification elements. Our team at Streetwise Mortgages offers complimentary planning sessions to help you do just that. Contact us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to book your session today. Cheers to your success. Moment number one was a I, I, shame on me for not. I, I'm actually I feel bad that I didn't. Point number one was um, just be very be careful about your members on that Facebook group posting people's personal information about the tenant bad list and all that kind of stuff. Like that that just opened that, that opens a door. Like uh, that I wouldn't want to be an administrator of a group that I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't want that responsibility. Uh, number one. Yeah. The other, the other is too is it's it's tough transitioning people that were getting something for potentially free to then building a value proposition to have to have people pay for, for things like that too. That's a hard, that's a, that's a big transition, mm-hmm. but I think. Well, especially if they even want it, right? If yeah. they're accidental and they just yeah. want to know enough not to make any major mistakes. Great. And I, I just want to add on that point too, of, of when we, when I first joined, we had exactly, as you said, these do not rent to list these, they want to call them a blacklist whatever it, you know, it, uh, whatever you call it, um, Definitely not appropriate. And that's how I got brought into the media in uh, through um, May and June of last year. So we're talking 2022 uh, with the Edmonton Journal because they were talking about these things. And and for all the ethical reasons they listed, it, it's full on, it's not ethical. Because essentially there's no checks and balances for folks have made amends, have, have uh, um, yeah, made amends on their on their past rental experience, paid their debts due, perhaps their previous uh, rental housing providers to get off that list. And if, if it's probably run, there's no checks and balances in place. It's a bad idea. Full stop. And I, we had we had this conversation back in 2020 with uh, um, um, with some lawyers, and and that's why we stopped doing it. But what happened though was we still had some remnants left over of those previous conversations that I hadn't deleted. Um, one was a hashtag referring to it. So this journalist basically went and said, we're still currently doing that as of you know middle of 2022 and we had to stop for almost two years. So, but yeah, it's 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 certainly a challenge. But you know what? Um I've enjoyed the challenge. It's made me feel definitely awkward and and, and stretched me a little bit out of my comfort zone. But I wouldn't change it for anything now because uh, I look back and there's um I, I get a ton of pleasure of helping people overcome these challenges and learn. And I fundamentally believe if we've got more good stewardship and, and grassroots education for the landlords in this great province, they're going to stick around longer, achieve their financial certainty. And in return, because it'll be more of them playing in the market longer, generally providing more affordable units because we're talking about secondary suites and I have a whole riff on that. But the state of my point is there'll be more housing available to the Burtons that need it the most. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, you, you, you talk, you're starting to combust there, my friend, by the way. You're, it's like, you, you, when you get excited <laughs> uh, it's, it's and, and passionate, when you get passionate about something, right, the bombs just start dropping. So, 
Um, okay, there, there's an awful lot to unpack. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I know. I got her. <laughs> you're, you're a dream guest, by the way. You're a dream guest. You just, I just put the, I put the little, sorry, I'm going to put the little, I'm going to make a golfing reference here. I'm going to put the little, the little white ball on a tee and you just nail it down the middle, right? So, uh, dream, dream guest. Okay, so, so this was, yeah, I was following that too. And so, so you had this Facebook group and community of, of rental housing providers that was putting in there. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it's, it's one of those things is I, I get it. Um, we're emotional about it. We have, you know, in some cases, millions and millions of dollars at play here. And you, 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 you shared it before is you're some, some cases you're letting a stranger into your place and, and then things happen. Sometimes things happen and some people get hurt and some people take it personally. And, and there's a lot of emotion involved and then some people just want to fight and they just want to just, I, this person, you know, watch out for this person and that person. And I totally get it. It's human nature, both, both directions. Well, can, can, yeah, I'm, I'm going to add, okay, I'll, let me add some context. To this. I think this is so important, which is what we're seeing right now in, in the news and media. So uh, if you guys check out a website called the uh, Canadian Renting Rental House Index, uh, the stats for Alberta says currently as of, let's call this um, April, 2023, uh, Alberta has 406,000 renting households, renter households. So, you know, family renting a, a house, or it could be a couple renting a one-bedroom condo. Each of those are considered a household. 406,000. Now, from industry stats, our best estimates, and um, to any major news outlet listening to this podcast, if you want to dive into a survey, please, I would love to see these numbers uh, ironed out. Our best estimates is, well, it varies by province. The market share breakdown of rental housing stock or inventory between a mom and pop landlord versus a multifamily um, corporation with hundreds or thousands of doors. Where do you think that split is of the market share? Who's providing more and, and well, throw me a percentage, Russell? I'd call it the everyday landlord. The, the mom and pops would be more, significantly more. You're correct. And, and the narrative though in the media and, and well, in mainstream thought is the multifamily corporations are the majority of the market share. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's your, it's teachers, it's um, your engineers, it's the people, you know, filling in the potholes in your street. It's, um, you know, people. kids coach at, at yeah, practice. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's people, you know, it's humans. It's a, it's a human business. This is a human being business on both respects. Oh, right. So, so let me reverse engineer those numbers. We're at four hundred six thousand properties across uh, our households across Alberta. Um, our industry, our industry estimates is between sixty-five to seventy percent of all that stock is supplied by the mom and pop landlords, the investors like you and me, Russell. That's huge. It's not even close compared to to the multifamily. And our we estimate on average the average landlord owns two and a half doors. Now, I actually think that number is really high because we have. This is our our data because we've included some of the, our multifamily players in there, but let's just take a conservative approach. So if we reverse engineer those numbers uh, off of that four hundred six thousand, eventually that gets you back to one hundred five thousand mom and pop landlords in Alberta. And if if we look at housing as a need, it's absolutely a fundamental need. Shelter is a basic right. I also struggle with the word. Housing is a right and shelter is a right because those things are two different things. And housing means many different things to many different people. Um, but where I want to go with this is everyone's society needs housing. At the same time, you look at the needs of society, it's extremely monumentous and complex in all the different needs. Talking about, you know, we haven't gotten to the health care, but just, uh, yeah, like students and 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 new people to Canada and, and low income and this and that. There's just... 
thousands of different unique needs that we had to find solutions for. Yep. But when the private mom and pop or private citizen like you, me, is a vast market share provider, right now we're seeing policy and suggestions to push that responsibility onto the private individual who is not equipped with the ability to look after the unique needs of all these different subsets that the society has. But that's the struggle we deal with right now. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and, and it's an incredible, um, here's the thing, and I'm not going to be careful. I'm going to be careful. I, I have my opinion and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be measured with my words and be very impactful. Is Bottom line is we need each other. We truly do. Um, not 100%. saying the rental housing providers are more important than the than the, the clients and the clients are more important than the other. We need each other. It needs to be symbiotic is really what it needs it's to be. Mutually beneficial. 100%. 100%. Uh, and and yeah. we're not here to, to, to say any different. That's 100% our position and, and I will go to my grave with that same position always. Um, mm -hmm. However, and on, on the extremes of both sides, there's bad apples. And 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 that and there's bad apples on the the rental housing providers and there's bad apples on the on the on the client side as well. So and sometimes those bad Absolutely. apples and those extremes are the ones that taint the 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 vast majority and everybody you know to get a good story. Let's just focus on let's focus on the extreme and let's focus on the big problems challenge. And if it if it doesn't if it bleeds it leads right. So so let's let's yeah. let's, let's, let's let's put that in the media out there as well right. No, I, I love those points, Russell. And you hit the nail on the head. So importantly about there's a few bad apples in every group without a doubt. And I use these words so sparingly because I'm trying to stop the, the general use of, of slumlords and professional tents. But these individuals ruin livelihoods on both sides. Whether you've got some that's just gotten through retirement and they've put all their life savings into a few rental properties to enjoy the, the fruits of their labor and they get wiped out with one bad choice, or you've got a family trying to get started out and they're living in subpar conditions that you would even put your, your pet in, for example. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's exactly that. And um, depending if I want to go down this alley or not. Well, yeah, there, there's, there could be solutions in place, but I think there comes, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> well, let's talk about some, so speaking of solutions, let's talk about a couple different things. Um, now, the, by and large, the majority of the people that will be watching and listening this will be rental housing providers, um, you know, mm -hmm. with the, by and large, majority. So so everybody's sitting there going, okay, got it. I understand this is important. This important conversation. Um, we are now rental housing providers. We provide a service. We have clients. The clients pay for that service. Yeah. We love each other. We all bang a drum, kumbaya, and, and we all go off into the sunset. We know the why. Do you want to talk the hell, Russell? Let's get some value back to your to your viewership. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I was about to come back to. Is so, how does a rental housing provider um, help mitigate that they get a good client that rents their property from them? So, what is some of the steps that you would say somebody needs to do um, in order to vet a potential client, vet a tenant, and then also that kind of process as well? Yeah. Um, that comes down to a good set of, of proven processes and procedures to go through from from you know marketing and listing your rental to receiving the leads to qualification to doing your due diligence uh, and then making a final selection off of the applications that you received so if we start at the front of it um, your marketing is really the first take if, if a, at the first impression if a tent or a renter thinks you're professional or perhaps unorganized 
So the the verbiage in that ad are the photos professional organized? You know, is that toilet seat down in the bathroom? Um, if you don't have the ability to take really good pictures, or you're not willing to take the time to research the dude these decent ones on your cell phone, then go on MLS, find the greatest pictures that you love, finding the ad, reach out to that realtor and ask for a referral to the photographer for about 150 bucks, 120 bucks, maybe even be less than that. They'll come out and they'll do photos. And considering that my units are suited, I only need pictures of really just the inside. I don't need a ton of the backyard. They'll usually cut you a bit of a deal because photos to list a house and photos to rent out a property um, you don't need as many, so you can, they can save a little money that way. But have that well presented. Have it in your ads talking about the what speaking results. Speak what that individual might want or your target demographic uh, for your ideal renter. And in the at the same time, you're setting expectations of what you expect, and it shows organization. And most tenants understand the process. They get that I, I'm trying to get approval or access to to this house. I expect it's not just to be given out free to the next person that shows up and asks if it's available. So you, you want to have that ad laid out well. That's kind of your first filter and attraction of qualified leads. Then you've got your pre-screen questions on the initial contact. So whether it be a text message, phone call, email, Facebook Messenger, whatever your ads are, you're going to want to respond quickly. So I have a templated set of pre-screen questions that I can copy and paste and instantly reply. It does two things. I look super professional because I'm quick in the draw. It's easy. It's all done. And I've actually turned tire kicker leads into... I've, I've gotten a tenant of a tire kicker lead. When people receive that uh, that, that uh, tenant query and all they ask is one, one three-letter uh, sentence, is it available? People go, oh, you didn't spend the time to tell me anything about what I need from you. I'm just going to skip you and go on the next one. Well, I fire off questions to these ones. And most times they just self... They self-screen out or self-select out and I don't deal with them. But I've actually gotten qualified leads out of them. They've taken the time to fill it because maybe they just don't know any better. And and one of them's turned into a qualified lead. So yeah. no, there's a pro tip for you. Well, and and okay, so I'm taking lots of notes here, by the way. So gang, if you're if you're driving, yeah. I, I encourage you if to listen to this again because you're gonna be taking lots of notes, have pen and paper. Um and it's funny, I just learned this thing we'll call custom keyboard on our iPhones that you literally can just punch in a little code and it could just put in an entire big block of text for you when you're replying oh, to all those, when all you do all those, cool. all those Facebook things, is this available? Is this available? You just go in there yeah. and, you know, Y dot E dot S exclamation point puts into a long, you can actually type, it'll type out an entire paragraph for you. And, and, that's cool so basically you got shortcuts to templates yeah. right, right in, directly in the keyboard and then all you have to well, do see, is Russell I learned something oh, there you know. go. I didn't check that out that's <laughs> they cool you have to punch in four characters and it just because you, you find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over and over again oh, okay um, repetitive okay I want to just riff off of one thing you did say there a little bit I 100% agree with every step that you're taking and I'm going to just put a, a context and a framework for people yeah. before any of this happens and I should have asked this better question um have a good property, like have a good property in a good area that will attract a good tenant. Like, and that's one of the reasons oh, yeah. why I go to new construction is we design the tenant experience first. We actually will put it into our designs that we will take it where the tenants park, we'll have to walk with their bags of groceries, how many parking spots, um, how will they interact with each other, separate entrances, separate air exchanges. Like you design it in advance. And, and I'll, I'll share it with mm -hmm. a story had a story of with a somebody the other uh, last week that asked is can you recommend a property management company to me and I said yeah I, I absolutely I can recommend multiple but first of all 
tell me, do you have a good property? Tell me about your tenant profile. Tell me what area of town it is. Because I like my property managers, and I'm not going to recommend them a bad property. Okay? Um, you, it starts with the property you actually buy. And very few yeah. people will actually give consideration to the property they buy, the tenant profile, and then they match it with the area, and then they match the right house. If you know your tenant profile in the right area, in the right house, and you match that all together, you will have a better chance of having a good experience. But if you're trying so, to put round pegs and square holes, you'll have a horrible, horrible experience. Oh, absolutely. So, so Russell, I'm going to ask you a question, because I'm pretty sure you were on this one of these CD recordings I happened to listen to from uh, way back when. Um, how, how would you go about discovering your tenant demographic? Let's, let's, let's approach it from two ways. One, assuming you already have a property in a specific community, how would you go about researching what that is? Or if you're shopping around for a property and you like a community, but you don't know really that, that makeup, how would you go about figuring that out? Well, part of it, part of it's a little trial and error. For, for one, like sometimes you have to, I'm sorry to say this, guys, sometimes you have to buy some really crappy properties in order to figure out what you don't like. Now, I know that's that's a painful and expensive way to going about that. Yeah. The, 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 the smarter way of doing it, so you can do it the smart way or you can do it the way I did it. The way I did it yeah. was the painful, expensive, lost all my hair, bought in the bad properties and the wrong properties with the wrong tenant profiles. So, so here's the, the the way I'd answer that would be as find out from other landlords, what tenants they're just absolutely, what would be your dream clients? Like a rental housing provider. What do you love about your tenants? What are their demographics? And then I, I typically like to target ones that are in that, that transition between renting to soon buy a property in a, in a few years because they understand mm-hmm. what what it's the responsibility maybe they've they've had you know they have a, a, a small dog and a small cat and usually the, the 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 pets are about a year and a half before the first children come they have one and a half yeah. they have two cars they belong to the community it just have an entire um, demographic around that I look for and then what I do is once I understand that I then find communities that they would want to live in, and then I match up the right housing for them. And and with my business partner, uh, my business relationship up in Edmonton, we take a lot of that guesswork out for people. We actually do that work for people when he presents them a property as the the broker. He will present them mm-hmm. with a good tenant profile that is matched with the right uh, house in the right area. So it can be designed in advance. So you can do it intentionally or you can do it haphazardly. So I, I recommend intentionally, yeah. right? Well, so so what I did for my first one, that I, my first intentionally purchased investment property as I went and I sat in the local strip mall in the community and I just watched the people come and go into the Safeway and the dry cleaners and all the, the shops down there. And I just took notes and I was like, okay, this is a blue collar community, which was where I was going for. I was looking for folks that that just want a good place to call home that are, are hardworking and all that. And uh, it, that's, I just took notes for a day and it came pretty clear type of people that drive in, you know, um, uh, a trade truck or vehicle with it with their company logo on the side or whatever. So I mean that's that's one way you literally find a way to sit in the community, observe the traffic coming and going. Yep. Um, you could use I know I've heard people speak of using like a Starbucks. Starbucks only invests in locations of those higher value clients. Now will that translate into a demographic that will rent or perhaps they're already owners? You know you got to be a little bit double in the details. And probably the other caveat too to add on that Russell is. When you think you've figured out your profile, 
you probably still have to go two more layers deeper to really have it identified. Because I had some vague idea and it wasn't even close until I got into the business as well. Yeah. Now, and, and here's the thing is, and don't, don't make any misunderstanding of what I'm saying here. I'm not saying one group is better than the other. What I'm saying no. is to be intentional of matching the demographic and the person with the right property in the right area. I know many yeah. um, rental housing providers that rent in places I would not go because I, I just, I don't live there. I have management. It's not, a, you know, things like that. But they do a fantastic job and they're tough as nails and they just match the right demographic to the right area with the right property. And they have a fantastic experience because they know exactly. They know the bar they go down to. They know the brand of smokes they have. They know their favorite VLTs yeah. that they go to. And honest to goodness, some of the some of those people, if you have conversations with them, have stayed for 15, 20 years in some cases. So it's just a matter of putting the right tenant in the right property in the right area. Yeah. And so let's, let's give a really clear example. Uh, you go up in, in Grand Prairie, Alberta, folks, they don't know that's oil town. It's all primary industries, oil and gas. And most folks that work out in the operation out in the fields drive, generally larger trucks that are foil drive, with perhaps these 30 inch rims and all that. But dualies, got to have the dualies, brother. Come on. Right. I have the dualies. So if you've got a property up in that neck of woods, you better have a garage or a large on site parking space for these folks that have these toys. They have large trucks. They probably have a trailer, uh, an RV maybe, maybe a boat or something like that, or they pull a set of um, dirt bikes. You need to have a garage with those rental properties that, to meet those needs to have those items secured. So they'll want to rent, rent from you. I mean, that's just an example. Yep. Uh, you know, um, yeah, we can go down the road path. Oh, we could, but let's, well, let's, let's move back to... Let's go back to, to the, the screening. Uh, but, but here, I'm not going to... The yeah. last thing I'm going to say in that point is um, most real estate investors sleep on the tenant profile conversation. And all I'm doing is I'm just trying to hmm. elevate that up, gang. That needs to be your first consideration is who who's going to rent your property. Before you even write an offer, before you even research a community, is there management, what kind of tenant profile, you need to know the customer and the clients first before you even write your offer. And you'll have a better experience if you put the right tenant in the right property. Okay? So enough said. So totally. soapbox off. I love it. <laughs> okay, pre you yeah. were you were on pre-screening. So we've we've talked about your marketing, your ads, they are in alignment that start talking about that. Then the pre-screening, what are and then you what are some of the questions you ask about pre-screening and then after that what's the next step after the screening? So I'm grabbing my business card because in the back of my business card I have all my pre-screening questions oh. that I Today hang, hang, on, hang on, let me get you, let me get you, let's get right there. Uh, you can make that work. Uh, down of it, screenshot. Okay, you're going to send me a picture of that, please. Nice. I, I'll, I'll give you a PDF. Nice, yeah, love it. so hard. Anyways, yeah. Um, you know, so the first part, and so, and if you want, Russell, we can go down to... Hey, so was that your last... idea? Was that your idea to put that on the business card or was that single key had that? No, that was me. This Good is all, for you. I, I'm like, that's all, fantastic. I'm all in charge of the content. Yeah. Well, because, because... Most people do this as a part-time job, right? They have yep. a full-time job, which is great. You need that for the mortgage qualification. Yep. But depending on how many doors you have, you might only do this conversation once a year, if that, maybe twice or three, depending on yep. when your vacancies are coming up. And I always wanted to leave a first good impression. I'd get off the phone and I'd be like, oh, shoot. I didn't ask them if they gave proper notice to their last landlord. Yep. Or I didn't ask them about pets. And I was like, 
then you're going back and forth and asking. It's just, it's nice to start the first conversation off. I know your questions organized. You're, um, you don't have to think about them either because they're right in front of you. You can just get into the flow and, and build rapport with that perspective. Um, well, and from a, and right off the bat. from a marketing perspective, well done, my brother. That's brilliant. Like there are people sitting there, pull, the wall, pull their wallet out and they're asking the questions. Oh, lo and behold, it's Mackenzie's business card at the same time. Adding oh, value. Wait, I've gotten a few of these out so far, yeah. And uh, and gang, what I'll do in the show notes, um, if, if you're okay with your permission, I'll, I'll put a PDF and I'll also maybe have the text yeah. of it as well if people want it. But more importantly... Yeah, I'm happy. I'll, I'll give you a, a print-ready copy. Yep. It's business size. So if someone wants to print out three or four to fit in their wallet and leave them around the house because that's what that's what I did. It was just have them everywhere. Um, okay, well, yeah, so the first part. Let's for 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 time. Sense of time. Not that I don't want to rush you. What are the most important? Okay, questions? we'll leave them off there. You can you can add them in. Sure. Yeah. Do you have the most? What are the most important questions you would want to have? Like right off the top, is there like a big three, a big five that you need to know right off the hop? Um, the very first question is I like, go oh, tell me about yourself. Um, what your needs are. And then I bite my tongue and make it awkward. And it takes a little bit of practice to do that because you give the tent an opportunity to showcase themselves. And when they start explaining about themselves, they'll typically share information that if they choose to share, then it's fine. But you're not legally allowed to ask because of privacy and and um, and all that good stuff. So they might share, they have a family, their, kid, their kids are going into whichever yeah. grade, which is all, um, you well, can't you, ask for that stuff. So You can't officially ask, but... There, if they tell you that's that's okay, <laughs> then, then that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like leave it up to them. Like, okay, just tell me what you want, uh, and then I'll, I'll I'll add in. So then after that, I just do a couple of rapid fire of basic logistics: move in date, how long you want to move in for, number of people, uh, do you have pets? Describe your pets. Uh, a big one for me is: have you given your current landlord proper notice? You know, a good indicator of how they're going to treat you is probably how they're treating their current landlord. So I want to know someone's following the system. Um, I always then I I say tell me about your employment. You're you're not you're not you're not allowed to ask them about you know do you are you an electrician or what type of work they do. But you're allowed to ask how much they make, full time, part time, commission, seasonal, all the variables around the job. You're allowed to ask for. Um, but generally, most people just tell you what they do. They they don't they're fine with sharing that information. But just to kind of as a caveat that if you uh, are taking notes right now. Um, then the other thing I talk about is, hey, by the way, the rent is excellent. Well, here's in Alberta. It will vary by province, but here we can collect a damage deposit in first month's rent. I'll say they are X amount, both are due before, before possession. Will you have any problem uh, collecting this? Or do you have any concerns? And then they usually say, well, you know what? Um, uh, yeah, no problem. That's great. Or they might say, well, I can give you this amount now, or I can, can we break up the damage deposit? Uh, or they might explain about their credit score. Oh, and actually, that's the next question too. Is that you know? By the way, I use background credit checks. Anything I should know? You know, please let me know now. And and I always put the caveat: I don't need perfect credit scores. I need people who are honestly and transparent. And just because your score is bad, if you show, if if we can prove that you've shown the ability to always pay your rent on time, I'd actually be very happy to take you because then you're going to be very grateful. You've gone into a rental property when you've probably been struggling going um, from place to place, and you've got probably more of a, a loyal. Uh, client. Yep. Nice. Awesome. So then you get you you obviously you get a feel for where you're at. Now now this is going to segue into the latest um, controversy, I guess. No, not controversy. The latest um, reason for Mackenzie to be on the media. Um, sure. Yeah there, yeah. there were some. There are some landlords that are out there that are asking for some very private and sensitive information. And hang on a sec. So here's kind of the article. 
Hang on, let me just share that with everybody here. Here's the article. Here's renters being asked for social insurance number, driver's license, and other sensitive information by some landlords. And it's an entire story, you know, about people that in tight markets and having things. And there's an awful lot of um, uh, rental housing providers that are probably over. Look at that handsome devil there on the oh, on CBC that, yeah. website there. Um, That's as, amazing freeze frame. Hey, look. As, as well, there's there's I'm usually the, a lot nicer. The interview you, here that you had here as well, and, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some questions about this in a second here. But yeah, but, it's um, been a rollover. And, and City News actually interviewed me too and came out. Yeah, I hadn't seen that piece yet, but they asked uh, that one too. Okay, so so what's going on? Um, so some some there are you know like out there when you have that hundred and I just the 105,000 mom and pop um, landlords that are rental housing providers, there's probably some uneducated is the way I'll put it. Maybe some people that just don't know the business process or what they can and can't do. So what's going on out there in some cases? Totally, right? So so the, the whole crux of, of this article that I got brought in for comment was um, tenants are being asked for confidential information like a a SIN number or a driver's license before they can even book the viewing. Yeah. And folks, like just generally putting it across the board, that's that's totally inappropriate. You, you can do the questions we talked about to get a good sense to justify your time to go and book the viewing. And it's important to ask these questions too, because maybe they're not a good fit and they want to move in quite a bit later than when your availability date is. And now you've saved yourself both time and a trip across town to do a viewing, which I think is also super important. But in this case, one or two landlords or a couple landlords are, are asking this information upfront before they even book the viewing. And it just, it's it's not a good look for the industry. Um, and if if you put yourself in the shoes of the, the tenant trying to find a place, I would not get that information out. And how do you start that first step of building trust and a good business relationship when you're you're very invasive with the questions that you're asking yeah. for. Yeah, so, I think, well, here's the thing, and it, it, those are important pieces of data to get to eventually make the final decision, but I think people are just mis, misplacing it in the step of the process. Like, there's a lot of people right 100%. now, before I'll even show you this, give me all this information, I'm just like, uh, dude, excuse me, I just I just sent you a tech, I just sent you a note on Facebook, and now you're asking for my social insurance number? Like, right. like uh, it, back off. It's like off. you walk <laughs> under the car lot, yeah. you walk in the car lot, and before they open the door to look at the vehicles inside the showroom, you have to give them a copy of your driver's license. You'd be thanks, but no thanks, and you'd walk away. Like so, it's it's the same kind of same kind of mo, yeah. right? And, and you know what? Going back to we have one hundred five thousand mom and pop landlords in Alberta. Um, most people do this on the side. They have a main job. Have they spent the time to learn about the rules and regulations? Maybe, maybe not. And there's probably a few individuals out there that have seen the headlines that are extremely scared and ultra conservative. And they've perhaps defaulted to a position of being overprotective by asking this information up front. Either way, uh, the, the short of it is it's not appropriate. So don't okay, do stop, it. Stop, stop it. Um, if if that's part of your business practice, stop, stop yesterday. Like just but but here's the thing. Yeah. It's it when do you ask like th- that kind of information is important to to eventually get in order to run your final checks and balances like how does somebody go about that and and i would imagine i i i, I think you know the tech solution to that probably too right uh i, I might russell yeah. um well so yes i uh, you know just to be open i would suggest using a service like single key or the one of your choice uh, but let, let's get through it. So, so, so you go. Oh, you know what? My favorite question off my pre-screen I didn't even talk about Russell is once I get the step of confirming the viewing, 
I go, great. Thanks, Russell. We got a viewing booked for Friday at 7 p.m. Um, just the one thing to note, though, I understand life's busy. If anything comes up uh, and um, if anything comes up, um, I just need you to send me a confirmation. Sorry, I'm messing this up. I need you to send me a confirmation two hours before by text or phone call to confirm the appointment. Yep. If I don't get this, I consider the appointment canceled because I understand life is busy. Yep. And every tenant agrees to that. So two things happen. You've just embedded a psychological test or a psychology kind of test into your pre-screening. You've given a basic set of instructions for your tent to follow. Most people have no problem with this. And if they can follow and manage this, it should foreshadow, it'd be easy to book that, that plumber next time you need to do a maintenance call at your property. If they can't do this, well, then uh, that's kind of a concern. And then number two is if they don't call and confirm, well, you've just saved your Friday night to spend time, quality time with your friends and family. So that's how I avoid all the no-shows because it can get... Quite prevalent as well, well. You're just setting up. Uh, you're setting up the ground rule for the relationship, and and not that you're yeah. mandating. It's just this is a mutually beneficial relationship, and you communicate with me, I communicate with you, and we'll we'll have 100%. a very good relationship here, right? But if if one party is disrespectful or the other, that's just maybe a telltale of what's going to happen down the road. At the same time, right? Okay. So okay, and so go ahead, please. I mean to cut you off. I was just going to say. So so now you're at the viewing. And going back to what you said, Russell, having a well-maintained property, your curb appeal is your first thing. When they pull up to that property, that first 20 seconds is crucial to start that 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 interview. But it's a two-way interview. It's a dialogue between you and them to make sure you're both a good fit for each other. If your property looks deoplated, if I say that right, or un, unkept lawn, uh, the door's falling off the hinges or it's really hard to open you're not sending a very good impression. And then that just foreshadows, or we we assume if, well, if this property is like this from the out, from the front, what else has not been maintained? And if you're finding you're not getting a lot of applications or application requests at the viewing, there's probably a disconnect there or perhaps part of the conversation on how you're having it. I break up my viewing into the beginning. I kind of just, I re-ask all the same questions for my pre-screening. And you might go, well, that's kind of silly. Why would you ask the same thing you already asked them once in the phone call? Well, I want to make sure the answers are actually consistent over a period of time. If someone's trying to be um, mischievous or ill intent and they're trying to sell me um, uh, misinformation, the chances of them keeping their information or facts straight over a period of time is pretty hard. And so if I get variations in the answers, I'm going to dig in further and see why. Yeah. But if it's all checks out, that's perfect. And then about the middle of my, my, my viewing is um, I'm just... Doing my, I'm doing my salesmanship. I'm selling the property and I'm understanding their needs. I'm asking them why they want to rent in this area. What are they looking for? Why are they moving? And find ways to make sure my property matches well. Nice. And then at the end of the interview, I'm setting expectations. I'm talking about systems, how utilities are managed, um, what the the next step is. Um, you know, if, if there's pets allowed or any particulars of the property, I'm showing up their systems in place, you know, how to share laundry. Hey, by the way, when you move in, um, I'll send an email between you and the tenant. You guys pick your own laundry hours. So there's no disagreement. Okay. Tenant, you're going to do the backyard and shoveling and they'll shovel the front sidewalk. You, you talk about all these things, but then you're avoiding common pitfalls of, of pain points that tenants have probably had in the past. And if you're having this conversation before they've even asked for the application, it's pretty sweet. And then my last step is, do I offer the application or or not? I, what what do you do, Russell? I don't know. I, I know you put well, outsources. To be down, honest, but. I I as a landlord. Well, sorry. How am I going to say this? I I tr- 
I'm not saying this anybody's right or wrong. I just based upon my time involvement or my commitment or what I do best. Maybe that's the best is my lane is I just yep. get my property manager to do all this stuff and then they present me with the the detailed summary of all that stuff you talked Perfect. about and then I make a decision at that time, right? So Awesome. I, I'm so not. I'll speak from. I, here's the thing: is I, I, I would, I would be a horrible <laughs> doing that because I, I probably don't have the patience for it in many respects. And and then I had the brainstorm one time. I go, well, I'll just ask my wife. She can be my our property manager and vet all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and and then I sat there and I go, you know, the divorce would be more costly than what it would cost for me to hire a manager. At the same time, and and I, you know, I would never, I'd never be able to. My my wife would never love me again after that, right? So. Well, so, treat it like a business. That's a great point right. you make, though. Is outsource what you're not good at. Don't yep. don't make the business painful where you don't want to be in it any longer. Life's too short for that. Yep. So I think that's awesome, Russell. That that you know you know what you're good at, and so so stick to it. So basically, what well, I don't ever offer an application out because yep. everyone's polite here in Canada. Everyone's going to accept your application. Uh, you don't know if they're really an uh, investor or not. If they go and ask me for, they go, "Great, Mackenzie." They're asking me questions about like the size of the bedroom. Uh, and if, if they're asking really specific qu- questions around the property as you're doing your viewing, you know you've got a really genuine, interested party that wants to rent from you because they're, they're thinking in their head, okay, my couch can fit here, um, this could be the kids' room, or I can work, I can put my um, my work from home office over here. They're they're trying to make it work. If uh, and then they ask you for an application, they want to move to the next step. Yep. If they go great, thanks. The, they don't ask a lot of questions and they don't ask for an application. Don't chase them. Let them go. You know you've had a cold lead. Don't waste your time following them up. Keep your focus, your time and energies on on the leads that are truly interested. So yeah. I, that's why I never offer an application. Ooh, you know, I, I was sitting there before we got going. I was I was just like, man, you're still just bringing the fire, my brother. Right? We gotta keep keep the Wait. keeping the the fire going, and and then obviously bombs start happening. Um, I I do I do want to be mindful and respectful of of your time here. I do have a, a couple questions that I want to delve sure. into a yeah. little bit. But honest to goodness, you know, we could we could we could go seventeen more different directions. We could book seventeen more of these conversations, and uh, as Devils you can tell, Mackenzie knows what he's talking about here. Uh, but I do want to I want to ask you a question about the following. So you've been uh, featured Please. into some media, and there was your latest one on CBC, and and. Uh, the view that you had there. And, and I remember um, when I had my first couple media uh, uh, times, honest to goodness, it scared the out of me, you know, and I absolutely just the bed a couple times myself. <laughs> um, yeah. How's been the process been for you? I just want to just if you have time now, it's been a, it's been a few days. Yeah. It's been a week. I imagine. I'm glad you're asking. This. You're a it's high performer. You're a high performer. And I know you want to be the best at everything you do. If you were to give yourself some feedback and coaching, how would you how would you rate your performance on on the social media channel on the uh, media channel so far? Well, and just to give this context, Russell. So first interaction was last year. Um, it wasn't very positive. It wasn't bad either. I, 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 honestly, I got away with a, uh, a paper cut, like just nothing crazy. But when I clicked on that link to open up that Edmonton Journal article last year. I never shook so much and had an adrenaline rush just to read something. It was crazy, you know. So having that was good. I fortunately had some really good um, people that I could reach out to that had experience to help me craft the right answer to to be on point and accurate. Um, so went through that. Uh, you know, it's I had 
I've had four, five interviews now, two pre-interviews for the CBC pieces, one for uh, each, each, each interview. And then sitting, City news, it also interviewed me on Friday. I don't know if I ever got featured in that article or not. They're talking about tenant, tenant uh, tips, but I had even, and every, every, every interview, well, at least the CBC ones, I got, there's a curveball question that is like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It throws you off. And I knew that was coming the second time because I've been through the process and it still caught me live on air on that, on, if you watch the, that live interview on um, the news network. And um, I guess like it's, it's been, it's been good. I enjoy it now. I used to fear it last year. I, I was uncomfortable. Now I'm like, I'd love an opportunity to showcase the facts and help get good policy, not vote getting policy to really steward our, our industry and move yep. forward because it's, it's a highly regulated industry and rightfully so because we're talking about shelter, which is a, a basic human right. Yeah. Now, I'm going to just give you some advice, some of the best advice I had on media training. And, and I've done some over the some media training over that as well is the best advice I was given was have your talking points and have the the messages and the points that you want to get across. And almost no matter what question they ask, you have to find a way to pivot your answer to to your points. And, um, yeah, and because, that question I got hung up on would have been exactly that. Because I had a whole yeah. stat laid out. Yeah, and if you have that, and it's it's a true, it's it's almost like, um, and the, the skill set that that the person encouraged me to do at the same time was learn improv in certain respects. Like, meaning they offer you something, you build off of it, and but you eventually get it to be your point and your talking point back to them to get your point across at the end. And it's tough. It's it's one of those ones is, especially if you're not used to it. Um, and you know, sometimes someone else has an agenda, they have their own agenda and you need to have your yeah. talking points. You need to have your agenda. And it's just a practice doing the reps of turning your answer into your talking point. And, um, and, and I could totally see at the same time when you had that conversation, the person from CBC, they called you Mackenzie Hughes a couple times. So yeah. I was like, I go, oh man, yeah. how's that for, you said they're going, who's he talking to? It's like, and just for. I was so focused. Like yeah. I heard, I'm like, oh, I don't care. I'll do it that later. I was like, okay, yeah. ask me that first question. Yeah. I'm like chomping at the bit to go. But you know, I'm actually glad you went down this way. Uh, I know that a, a good mutual, um, I'd say mentor in the industry, a senior economist that uh, is definitely living his why now. I think I remember you saying somewhere that he did uh, public speaking training. Is this the same coach that you're talking about? Well, this was, uh, I do. And I actually have a podcast episode with, uh, with Jesse James uh, as one of the people. But this was also, some of that advice was also from Les Hewitt, Power of Focus author who gave a lot mm. of that tips and, and training as well. Because here's the thing is um, they, the media does have their intention and where they want to get to. And honest to goodness, some days I sit there and I go, if you're, if you're ever a fan or know who Jordan Peterson is and the way he's portrayed and yep. stuff like that, out in, in the, it's like, holy macaroni. It's, 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 it's tough out there. Right. Um, and, and in some cases it's almost just be as no thanks. I'll take a pass this time on it, but, but it's good, good for you. Like I, I'm here to tell you 100% I, congratulations and props and, and a huge, you know, applause thanks for you for, 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 for stepping up and that, um, you know, that takes, that takes some conies and, and I'm, I'm very proud of you. For, for, for stepping up and stepping into that. And that's what leaders do. And you're a true leader in this community, my friend. True leader, you are. Oh, so Thank you, Russell. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So, so 
do I have a commitment from you for you and I to have another couple conversations down the road about uh, deepening some of these things uh, that we're talking about here today? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. But I do have a final, final two questions. Okay. Um, what's next for you? What is the, uh, what's the vision for you? What is, what is, um, what, uh, Mackenzie Wilson, what in three to five years, and I'm, I'm going to, we're going to put ourselves out there and we're looking back. Love it. What has happened yeah. in five years for you that you would make yourself feel very proud of what you've done over the next five years? We've taken the risk of renting for both mom and pop landlord and, and tenants. And, um, just through really good best practices embedded through the technology and flows. Um, that would be my huge thing. So that's a single key kind of conversation. And because um, a lot of what's going on right now can actually just be avoided with, with processes. But if you don't know what you don't know, they're just landmines wait, waiting to step on. So if we can guide the, the mom and pop landlord down this right path and, and tents as well to protect themselves, again, talking about the recent CBC article, uh, it's a win for everyone. It's better for the industry, and I, I think the onus is on the the, the citizen or the uh, or the society to look after each other without the least amount of government involvement that we need. Yep. I think we're I think the privacy is much more engaged and motivated, and we'll probably do a far more proficient job yep. um, than waiting for something else. Sorry, and I digress. And where I'm going with this is, I I would love to be one of the voices in the community to help steward us forward. I, I think the onus is on, on us as landlords to be the stewards of this rental industry. We're in the business typically longer than most tenants. We'll see more tenants than a land, than a tenant will see in, in terms of landlords. So there's an onus on us to to put the right foot forward, set the right impression, help everybody else get through this industry and get to what they need. Nice, nice. Now, before I do ask the final question that I'm going to do is I just want to offer you something. I just wanted to just thank you on behalf of the entire rental housing provider community for um, for taking it on the chin in certain respects, like for getting out there and uh, and doing some of the, the hard work, doing some of the heavy lifting. Um, it's pretty easy for some of us to sit back and go, holy moly, look at me in my ivory tower. You know, Mackenzie's doing all that hard work. You and, and there's um, another lady out in Ontario, Kayla, Kayla Andrade. And uh, she's doing yeah. some heavy lifting out in Ontario as well. And I just, um, from from the entire community, and I know some days it feels thankless and it feels very difficult and all, you feel, all you're doing is a bunch of crap and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, from me as a leader within the community, I'm just giving you a big salute and I keep going. You got this, brother. Okay? Just as an FYI. Let's do it, bud. Okay, final question, final question. Um, Somebody's sitting here and they're listening or they're watching and they're feeling a little stuck. This is kind of my ending question I always have is, what are Mm. some wise, sage words from Mackenzie Wilson to help somebody who's just kind of feeling a little stuck in the process and what would be some next steps that you would encourage them with? Russell, I still deal with that problem even today. If if you are your own worst enemy, and I find when I am not in an environment surrounded with people that were you know making changes, having these kind of conversations, Russell, sharing best practices, getting that third party confirmation that you are doing the right thing, self doubt creeps in so quickly, and it can completely immobilize you. And you know, I I still today have have those days, so I've. But I at least now have gotten to a point where I can, I, I am, um, what's the right word? I'm aware or I, I, I can, um, 
there's a word and awareness. I, there's a better way to describe your it. Mindful, uh, self-aware, your mindful. Yep. So I'm self-awareness. Yeah, yep. yeah. Where I can go and and do some stuff at work or or just be a part of it. And it's a little bit tough too because um, single key is based out of Toronto. I'm the lone wolf out west here. I'm the only only employee out here in in Western Canada. So I work from home, but it's it's surround surrounding yourself with people that are are doing things. They're action takers. Even if you understand all the steps they're doing, they haven't really shared any advice with you. Just that mindset to keep you moving forward and, and, and ex- action and execution is everything. The perfect idea is nothing if it's never put into practice. Nice. So that's well, my thing is just find just, that support group because it will help you so much. And uh, to quote Larry, the cable guy, get her done. <laughs> right. Well done, Love my friend. Yeah, yeah, you are you are very well spoken. You're very articulate, and uh, and you're you're wise beyond your years, my friend. So, all right, gang, mm-hmm. everybody, have yourself a wonderful day. This was a conversation with Mackenzie Wilson and myself on just some wonderful things that have been going on in the media, and and also the the landlord, no, sorry, the rental housing provider and the client symbiotic relationship. So, what did you think about today's episode? Did it change the way you maybe look at your relationship that you have with your with your real estate uh, relationships, your tenant management, your tenant placement, right from the properties you buy all the way through to how you manage uh, the rent collection, everything and everything on top of that as well. So, that's one of my intentions of that was to just elevate this relationship. We talked an awful lot about it starts with our our language. And maybe I was just being a little bit sensitive to languaging after the conversation I had with Michael Bug, and he shared a a wonderful reframe on just changing your language. The language you use is extremely important on how you treat the relationship. That We talked an awful lot about here about we're no longer landlords. We are now rental housing providers working with clients, okay? They're no longer tenants. They are our clients. They are our business relationships. Now, it reminds me of um, something way back in the day when I first got started. There was this um, fellow named Tim Johnson, and Tim Johnson coined the phrase, uh, coined the definition of a tenant. And I I dug it up. I found it up, and I'm going to read it here. I honestly think, I, I think it's good. I think it's a very good definition, but I think it needs a new elevation. I think maybe what I'll do is maybe I'll take what this is and 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 elevate it up to the next level because it has a little bit of, I think, the old language in it. And um, maybe there needs to be a little bit more of the gratitude, the business relationship, the partnership, things like that. So maybe I'll take a stab at, at elevating it. But here it is, and this is the quote, and this is from Tim Johnson. Your tenant is a partner in business who will open up the shop each morning and lock it up at the end of the night. They will look after the security and inform you of potential problems in the business. They will cut the grass, rake the leaves, shovel the snow, and pay all the utilities. They will even pay all of your mortgage payment and taxes. Then, in the end, they will relinquish all monetary interest in the business and walk away leaving you the profits. Tim Johnson. That was his quote of a definition of a tenant. Now, I think that's good, but I think it it needs to be elevated up there again. It needs to talk a lot more about client relationship, gratitude. Um, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And I think the terms uh, Mackenzie and I talked about in here was mutually beneficial, symbiotic. We used all those kind of fancy buzzwords in there as well. 
Okay, gang? So, hope all that made sense. I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. I always learned so much from this, uh, from doing this um, this podcast. And what I would encourage you to do is maybe seek out the Alberta landlord community. It's a community of self-management, self-managing landlords, and primarily they focus on Alberta. I had just a hoot there on, on Friday. I was waiting for my car to be serviced, and I jumped on there and put a post in on talking about rental rates uh, in, in the market. I posted uh, like on a national perspective, I'm talking about a, a, a BC marketplace compared to an Edmonton marketplace. What are the differences? We got into a whole bunch of different discussions on uh, including rents, or including utilities, not including utilities. So there was just a very deep conversation that we had there. And as I just let Scooby out, who was barking at the door. So Scooby... Did you want to come say hello to the podcast audience? You know, this is a really serious thing we're doing here, Scoops. Scoops, you know, this is very serious. We're recording a podcast here. There's all these people, all these fine folks that are wanting to learn about tenant management, you know, and you're and you're barking. Are you okay? All right. So Scooby, Scooby is given the blessing that we can continue here. So anyways, just the point I was trying to make was, by all means, jump into that community, get involved in the conversation. Um, that conversation that I had, with, it was so much fun on Friday. It was like hours and hours while I was waiting for my car to be serviced. We dove into a whole bunch of things about, you know, should you include utilities in your rent? I gave my perspective on it, talking about different markets across the country. A whole bunch of people were chiming in on what they're charging for different things in different areas, where to go get... Um, uh, comparables, all kind of stuff like that. So this community of rental housing providers, gang, this business is difficult. It is challenging. It is tough. You honestly will pull your hair out. Like I honestly started with an awful lot more hair follicles when I started in this business. And over the course of time, you lose an awful lot of hair, lose a lot of sleep, but you just keep pursuing forward. Now, I know I've painted a picture that is extremely difficult, but if you do this business correct and you have a wonderful tenant experience, it can be extremely pleasurable. It is maybe difficult, but it's worth it. You as rental housing providers are providing an invaluable service out there in the marketplace. You are helping people maybe get a, a leg up on their housing journey. You're helping people that are maybe brand new to the market. They're just not sure of it. You are providing a very valuable service to the community and don't let anybody ever tell you that you're not. Don't ever diminish what you are doing of the value and the service that you're providing to the marketplace. Okay, gang? With all that being said, I will jump off my soapbox and hopefully I don't break an ankle <laughs> jumping off here. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.